You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A series of protests involving Indigenous rights supporters once again having an impact in Metro Vancouver and on Vancouver Island today. Here on the mainland, backups and delays during the morning commute, but relief for those taking the West Coast Express this afternoon. That's where we find our Jordan Armstrong tonight. Jordan, what's the latest? Yeah, overall, much quieter this afternoon, Chris. We did see a small demonstration block traffic in Chilliwack today, but as you mentioned, the rail blockade that affected thousands of West Coast Express users has come down. Still many people still upset about the earlier delays. It's a big inconvenience. Frustrating and baffling back-to-back commutes for thousands of people who rely on the West Coast Express. It took me an extra 45 minutes to get home yesterday. It's I'm going to be late for work today. Frustrating because there were only buses. No trains Thursday evening or Friday morning. It's just been kind of a pain in the butt. Baffling because many can't understand why activists would target the suburban working class who already face a grueling commute. People think they're sending a message to a politician or a company. No, all they're doing is creating a whole lot of chaos uh, and inconvenience for regular working people. And here are the people responsible for the chaos. For 18 hours, they blockaded the CP tracks in Port Coquitlam as railway police stood by and watched. We're blockading rails. We saw it had a, it's had a huge economic impact. It's really shut down Canada in line with the call from Wet'suwet'en. That has nothing to do with the thousands of working people in, in Port Coquitlam who had their lives turned upside down because a group of protesters who aren't even connected to the issue who just look for excuses and opportunities to try and create chaos. Port Coquitlam's mayor adds a delayed commuter called him in tears because she was charged $100 for being late to pick up her son from daycare. He and others say blockades like this can't continue. And if this happens again, there needs to be immediate action. And our government is too ineffectual to do anything about it? How does it feel? Not very good. But the government says... This is a police matter. The police on that site are CP police. It's uh, private land. It's railway land uh, with its own police force who have the authority to arrest uh, and to remove people on uh, railway property. Um, They don't need an injunction to do that. And Jordan, the people that were at that rail blockade eventually left and many of them ended up downtown. That's right, Chris. The activists said they didn't want to take any attention away from the annual Women's Memorial March. It's an event that takes place in the downtown east side. It started back in 1992 in response to the murder of a woman on Powell Street. Organizers say today's crowd was much larger compared to previous years. Their message, Indigenous women continue to go missing or are murdered at alarming rates. Again, this event was completely separate from the blockades, although some of the activists did join it in support. No word tonight from the activists what they may target next. Chris? All right, Jordan Armstrong, live for us in Vancouver. Thanks, Jordan. Now, with an injunction against them now in place, the protesters who blocked the doors of the legislature in Victoria Tuesday moved on. This morning, they targeted nearly 20 ministry buildings around Victoria. The protesters saying their goal was to disrupt the work of the civil service. Brad McLeod has that part of the story. 
Today's action started at 8 a.m., but had been telegraphed for days. And the environmentalists and supporters of Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs showed up. There are 22 ministry offices that are currently have our supporters outside. After the jostling, pushing and yelling at Tuesday's protest at the legislature, an injunction now posted to the door, giving police authority to arrest anyone blocking the entrances. But at the many ministries scattered throughout the capital city, this... United! will never be defeated! Ask people why they're here. It was the Supreme Court ruling, and it's not being abided by. First we take away their land, and now we have to support them to try to save it again. We have two media liaisons for Indigenous oh, okay. youth. But the organizers would prefer non-Indigenous supporters to keep quiet. Indigenous youth are the ones that are going to be the spokespeople for this campaign. It was no secret the ministries would be affected today, complete with protester spreadsheets to make sure all ministries are covered. A buzzword used today was picket language the BCGEU is sensitive to, resulting in advice to the 10,000 union members working in government that they should not cross the lines. Though dubbed a BC government shutdown, many government workers planned in advance working remotely today, but organizers say this was a win. Putting Canada on watch, uh, witnessing what is happening up in Wet'suwet'en territories and calling Canada to account. Participants were done by noon and Victoria Police say there weren't any traffic disruptions. People. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. A new court ruling appears to have cleared up one of those gray areas in the laws governing cell phone use in vehicles. At issue in B.C. Provincial Court is having your cell phone on your lap, even if you're not using it, grounds for a ticket. Paul Johnson reports on the judge's decision. Be able to. You're driving. Don't look at me. Is anyone surprised that some have gotten so carried away with their gadgets they've become a downright menace? Up to 77 people every year are dying just from distracted driving. So police everywhere have massively ramped up distracted driving stings. But while it's one thing to bust a driver for talking or texting, what if the phone was in a cup holder, on the seat, or in their lap? We would write tickets for people that had the electronic device in their hands, but then we started writing as well for if it was on their lap or if it was under their leg. Grant Gottgedridge is a former traffic cop who says BC's 10-year-old distracted driving law was poorly worded and has led to a lot of confusion. It's left wide open to interpretation by the courts. But that's changed now, with a judge recently acquitting a Victoria woman who was ticketed for having a phone in her lap, which she wasn't using at the time. Kyla Lee is a Vancouver lawyer who specializes in traffic cases. Anybody who's received a ticket for having their phone on their lap should be uh, looking at disputing that ticket, and they should be looking at uh, filing a late dispute if they haven't uh, paid the ticket, but it's beyond the 30 days. And anybody who's been convicted after a trial in court for having the phone on their lap may want to consider an appeal of that conviction. While it may take some time for local police departments to fully update their procedures, the new ruling is already being acknowledged at the highest levels, and plans are underway to adjust to it. We take that seriously. Uh, it's looked at within my ministry, uh, or the Attorney General's ministry, in terms of, okay, what does this ruling mean, and how do we, uh, uh, do we need to make changes uh, to implement it? Paul Johnson, Global News. A group opposed to Surrey's transition to a municipal police force has delivered what it calls a Valentine's Day present to the Premier.
We're out here today to deliver a petition of 40,000 plus signatures. The group Keep the RCMP in Surrey has been collecting signatures since last summer. They're calling on the provincial government to stop the transition process and put the proposal up for a referendum. It's the wrong thing for Surrey, and uh, it's this, that's been justified by the number of signatures that we have. And uh, we've been limited by the number of, to getting the number of signatures by the number of volunteers, absolute volunteers we've had. If we'd had three times the amount, we would have been giving probably 150,000 signatures today. The final say on the transition will be up to Solicitor General Mike Farnworth. While there's still no timeline for his decision, Farnworth has repeatedly said the issue will not be the subject of a referendum. A new twist tonight in the crisis for owners of strata properties who are facing skyrocketing property, property insurance rates. A growing number of smaller buildings are having trouble finding anyone to insure them, no matter what the cost. Sarah McDonald has the details and the potentially disastrous consequences. BC is on the brink of a whole new housing crisis impacting the condo sector. And it's not the cost to actually buy a unit, but the price to insure the building. Essentially, the insurance companies weren't making enough money on this type of product. We've heard stories like this before. Relatively new buildings seeing skyrocketing insurance premiums upwards of 35%. It's a brand new building, and to go from one year to have that significant increase, I don't think is right. Now, owners of units in smaller, older buildings like this one in Aldergrove are having difficulty even getting a quote, let alone paying exorbitant premiums. If you can't get insurance, um, then you're probably going to be in a situation where it's going to be very difficult to sell. It's going to be very difficult to mortgage. You may be in violation of your mortgage contract, which is another issue. It seems the risk for major companies to insure buildings like this just isn't worth it, with condo claims on the rise globally on an annual basis, along with instances of extreme weather. In BC, the risk of seismic activity puts stratas on shaky ground. The biggest question is how do we get capacity? How do we get insurance companies to want to insure strata buildings again in BC. The lack of competition and no obligation to insure within the industry, also putting owners in financially precarious scenarios. The province, in a statement to Global News, acknowledging climate change is having a direct impact on the cost of premiums, saying it is in talks with the industry to ensure British Columbians can access affordable insurance coverage. I think what I'd like to see is them come up with some sort of legislation. Right now they say that buildings have to have insurance. Come up with some legislation that says, okay, insurance companies, you have to insure. But critics say the province isn't acting fast enough, with some owners now sitting on an uninsured investment, with no way for now of even obtaining coverage on a six- or seven-figure asset. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Right now, though, the golden rule from the Bible is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But does that apply to parking spots? Certainly not. One Vancouver man who admits he parked where he shouldn't have ended up pinned in by the priest who wanted the spot. John Wah has more on the priest's perspective in this dispute. Above ground, this building is a place of community and worship. I'm amazed that this could happen in a church. Down below, the driver of this vehicle is stuck in parking purgatory. He said, I'm calling the tow truck and I'm not moving now. He's like, now you're on your own. Anil Campbell said he was dropping off food at the South Granville Senior Centre, which rents space in the building. 
He admits to parking in a spot reserved for the rector of Holy Trinity Anglican Church. Campbell claims shortly after he was double parked by the priest. He said, you can sit here all day and, you know, this is my parking stall. He said, you should know who I am. The executive director of the senior center, Clemencia Gomez, said she tried to apologize to Reverend Carl Provower, hoping he would move the black mini. The priest say I will leave my car there and never move the car. We reached out to Reverend Provower, who would not go on camera, but claims he had no intention of blocking the vehicle, instead did not want to obstruct traffic. He also refutes most of Cambo's claims. Writing to Global News, witnesses can verify this and Mr. Cambo's uncooperative manner. He made no effort to remove his car so that I might access the parking space. I made it clear to Ms. Gomez that I would move my car if Mr. Cambo asked me to do so. Onlookers present to see the parking job, taking a more pessimistic view. To think of blocking somebody's wrongfully parked car with a wrongfully parked another car, that boggles my mind completely. After being stuck for more than four hours, the trapped vehicle was finally released. Not by the priest, but Vancouver police, who were able to get the adjacent car to move so Campbell could get around the Mini. Yeah, they found the owner of the other car. Campbell knows he shouldn't have parked in the reserved spot, but never guessed he'd have such a hellish experience in the parkade of Holy Trinity Anglican Church. John Hua, Global News. One new case of the COVID-19 coronavirus in a woman who just returned from Shanghai brings the total number of cases in B.C. to five. Hundreds more are being tested and monitored. And despite a massive spike in reported infections in China, Linda Aylesworth explains why there's still no reason to panic here in Canada. When a press conference is called by B.C.'s health minister and health officer these days, we can expect it'll be about the coronavirus, or COVID-19. I want to um, start by saying we have had another um, case, presumptive positive case here in British Columbia. Um, This would be our fifth case here in British Columbia. The patient, a woman in her 30s who flew from Shanghai, an area where travel is not restricted, to YVR in the past week, then returned to her home in the interior in a private vehicle. She is in isolation at home and is doing well. Her condition is, is stable and uh, she's, um, not, uh, she's in very good condition, as are the close contacts that we know. They're in isolation now as well. As for the other passengers on the flight, the risk of infection is generally considered to be low. She was wearing a mask for the entire flight, so that reduces the risk as well. Even so, there are protocols in such cases. Health authorities will use the flight manifest to identify passengers seated three aisles ahead and behind of the infected person. So what we would do is contact them and tell them to monitor for symptoms and make sure they know what to do should symptoms arise. What anyone returning from China and experiencing symptoms should do is call the Provincial Health Information Line at 811. When you dial 811, you're connected to a health system navigator who guides you to the expert you need fast. To date, over 500 British Columbians have been tested. That means that people are responding to our request to self-monitor and to engage with the healthcare system. And that is a good thing, as is the fact that none of the five people who have tested positive in BC have required hospitalization. In fact, the first case is one test away from being declared healthy. The criteria that we have for uh, releasing somebody from isolation is that they have two negative tests 24 hours apart, so we fully expect that that will happen soon. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
A new healthcare facility has been announced for Abbotsford. The urgent and primary care center will be opening on Clearbrook Road in April. The health ministry says it's for people who might not have a family doctor and who need treatment, but don't necessarily need to go to an emergency room. It will be the 15th care center of its kind in the province and the fourth in the Fraser Health region. It will provide care in the way that people need. First of all, team-based care doctors and nurse practitioners and nurses and, uh, and clinical counselors and uh, pharmacists working together in a team to provide the most appropriate care. Partners, uh... The government says the new facility will be open until 9 in the evening, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Well, it is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you Happy and Valentine's to you. Day. And we already did that, but uh, <laughs> good to do it on TV, too. Hey, if you're still searching for something fun to do, meteorologist Yvonne Schell has an idea. Illuminate Yaletown is underway, and that's where Yvonne is tonight. Yvonne? Hi, guys. Yeah, this is a great event. It's dry so far. We're just on the 1200 block of mainland between Drake and Davey. Things are just starting to kick off, and it'll go all the way in towards this evening at 9 o'clock. To tell us more about the, Annette, uh, about the event, rather, is Annette O'Shea. You're the executive director of Yaletown BIA. Uh, tell us a little bit about the areas, what we can anticipate if people are planning on coming down. So it's Illuminate Yaletown. We're on Hamilton Street, and it's also at the Canada Line Station. And it's our 10th anniversary of the Olympic Games, which is why Muck Muck is here. Um, and we're just, you know, we just come on out and play. Remember what the Olympics was like in 2010 and we filled the streets and cheered. We've got the gold medal hockey games being played. We've got all kinds of light art happening. We've got Olympic-themed cocktails at our restaurants. It's so fun and it's so free and it's Friday and Saturday only. A uh, great family event if you're planning on doing oh, something. Yeah. So it'll be once again the same time for tomorrow evening. And we've got uh, lots of um, entertainers that are on the streets too. We have the Mirror Men. We have the Silver Sisters. We have the Robot Invasion happening. Uh, we've got lots of selfie stations. We actually have an Olympic torch, an Olympic podium. Come on down, get that, get that picture you always knew that your mom wanted you to have. <laughs> right? Thank you so much. A fun event. If you want to celebrate the Olympics and find something to do for Family Day, we do have a little bit of rain that is going to move in. I'll have more on your long weekend forecast coming up very shortly. Guys. A caught on video, a frightening close call for a Texas firefighter. The video might be disturbing for some people, but remarkably, he was only slightly injured. He was knocked down when part of a burning building collapsed onto him. Watch the bottom left of your screen. Part of the roof falls onto the firefighter, but he still manages to crawl out of the flaming rubble. It takes a few seconds for his fellow firefighters to realize what's happened, and they rush to his aid. He was taken to hospital with only minor injuries, and no one else was hurt. Closing arguments wrapped up today in the rape and sexual assault trial of former movie mogul Harvey Weinstein. One day after Weinstein's defense argued there was no proof the encounters weren't consensual, prosecutors portrayed Weinstein as believing he was so powerful that he could treat actresses as disposables. Prosecutor Jonah Luzzi did not mince her words. Harvey Weinstein, once one of the most powerful men in Hollywood, she said, is an abusive rapist. Aluzzi described Weinstein as the master of his universe, and the witnesses here were merely ants that he could step on without consequences. Aluzzi argued that the Hollywood producer used his power and influence to prey on women who were looking for a break in the industry. The defense argued the communication Weinstein had with accusers after the alleged assaults 
proved the relationships were consensual. Aluzi pushed back, telling the jury, he made sure he had contact with the people he was worried about. That's the mark of a predator. Aluzi addressed the years-long relationship that Jessica Mann maintained with Weinstein, even after she alleges he raped her in a New York hotel. She could have been writing him love notes every single day. It still wouldn't make a difference. He still would not be allowed to rape her. Weinstein pleaded not guilty to all five charges, challenging the accuser's credibility. His defense team speaking outside of court. I think he's confident, and this is a tough situation for anybody to be in. Now the wait begins. Stephanie Gosk, NBC News, New York. The lawyer whose firm has filed a lawsuit against well-known Canadian businessman Peter Nygaard says dozens more women have come forward since the suit was launched in New York. The millionaire clothing manufacturer is accused by 10 women of rape and operating what they claim was a sex trafficking ring. The lawsuit alleges the founder of Winnipeg-based Nygaard International lured women between the ages of 14 and 29 to his home in the Bahamas. Three of the females were 14 years old at the time of the alleged assault. Three others were 15. The suit also claims Nygaard drugged the girls when they wouldn't comply with his advances. Nygaard's lawyer is denying all allegations. The lawyer who became famous for representing porn star Stormy Daniels in her legal battles with Donald Trump has been convicted of extortion. Michael Avenatti has been found guilty of trying to extort up to $25 million from sports apparel giant Nike. Avenatti faces a maximum sentence of 20 years, but he'll probably get less than that. He still faces upcoming trials in two other cases, one alleging he swindled Daniels out of $300,000 in proceeds for a book. RCMP have made arrests in a fraud scheme that has become familiar to countless Canadians, the old Canada revenue scam. Police say a two-year investigation has resulted in the arrest of an Ontario husband and wife team. What we've done, to be clear, is uh, uh, significant. The RCMP announcing it's made arrests, charging a Brampton husband and wife in the lucrative Canada Revenue Agency scam. Showing off the alleged proceeds of crime, jewelry, cash, and a money counting machine. I'm pretty certain that most of you don't have uh, money counting machines uh, sitting on your kitchen table at home. Police say the couple, Gurinder Preet and Inderpreet Dhaliwal, committed fraud and laundered money, part of a larger organized scheme. Millions of Canadians have gotten the calls originating in India from telemarketers pretending to be Canada Revenue agents, threatening arrest if a person doesn't pay up. These people are sophisticated. Uh, they have the art of deception, and they deprive uh, Canadians of their uh, money. Between 2014 and 2019, Canadians lost an estimated $17 million to the scam and a related phony bank inspector fraud and tech repair scam. Under its project, Octavia started in 2018. The RCMP says it's put a dent in the amount of money being stolen. And the only way we can ultimately stop this is through awareness and education. The CRA says the scam has hampered its ability to contact Canadians who actually owe money but are scared. We don't threaten arrest. We don't demand immediate payment. We don't demand payment by techniques like Bitcoin ATM, uh, gift cards. Police say the scam relies on money mules in Canada, some of whom are believed to move money back to India. Police acknowledge that these arrests reveal just part of a massive problem. Are Canadians still going to get these phone calls as a result of your arrests and your actions so far? I, I would like to say that they would not. 
uh, get those phone calls, uh, but I expect that they will continue. The husband and wife have been released from jail and are scheduled to appear in court next month. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Milton, Ontario. In health matters tonight, good news on Valentine's Day. Chocolate treats from your loved one might be good for your heart in more ways than one. I'm relieved. According to the American Heart Association, dark chocolate is linked to a lower risk of high blood pressure and heart disease. The same antioxidants found in dark chocolate are also found in some fruits and vegetables. A 2017 study also discovered that eating dark chocolate with raw almonds and cocoa help lower bad cholesterol in people who are overweight. Well, just in time for Valentine's Day and the family day long weekend, the Sea to Sky gondola is back in business. A fleet of brand new cars took off from the base this morning as the team kicked off operations. The gondola has been shut down since August when someone deliberately cut the cables, causing 30 cars to crash to the ground. Although no one was hurt in the incident, the financial damage was in the millions. Six months later, the reopening comes with increased security and other improvements for visitors. The entire lift uh, that you're riding on is new in terms of the rope and the cabins. Obviously, we've got an absolute uh, kind of wildly state-of-the-art uh, security system. In the absence of somebody being uh, in jail for this, we need to make sure that we are fully protected. Um, and so that's in place. Um, and then when if you go up to the Summit Lodge, it's just a neater, neater tidier place. You know, our team has changed everything from our website to our menus. The company is offering lift tickets at half price throughout the weekend. My mom went for a ride on it today. Says the tube park's yes. open for kids, too. Oh, it's a nice weekend for it. Nice weekend mm. for it. All right, an update on a cat we told you about that survived a three-week trip without food or water. Journey is making a remarkable progress, and we'll have more on her adventure and how she's doing right after Yvonne's mm -hmm. forecast. All right, uh, let's check in with Yvonne Shell once again in Yale Town at Illuminate Yale Town. Yvonne? Hi guys, yes, uh, things are picking up, but this is a great event if you're looking for something to do over the family long weekend, and we're on 1200 Hamilton Street, just between Davie and Drake. All right, so far it is dry, but let's take a look at your long weekend forecast. We are tracking some wet weather that is going to push in over the next hour or two, so you will need an umbrella. It is going to intensify, especially this evening. It'll be a soggy start to Saturday, but great news, we are going to see an improvement and round off the long weekend with some sunshine. So rain pushing in right along the coast. Mountains will be looking at snow. The interior snowfall developing this evening and continuing to be heavy at times through the day on Saturday. So if you're traveling along any of the mountain passes, we still are tracking or seeing a significant amount of snow. The Coquihalla from Hope to Merritt up to 25 centimeters. Both the Kootenai and Rogers Pass could see up to 20 centimeters. Pine Pass, the connector up to 15. Lesser amounts will be along the Sea to Sky Highway, two and up to four centimeters. And it'll be flurries leading in towards Saturday and easing off through the day. The northern half of the province, along Along the coast, rainfall with windy conditions. The northeastern corners, areas near the Peace, two and up to four centimeters. Much of the central interior will be seeing flurries and a transition for the southern interior. Starting off as snow, changing over to rain. It's higher elevations along the mountain passes that will be seeing snow through the day and then tapering off by the evening. Right across the south coast, we'll see the heaviest rainfall for Saturday morning. By the afternoon and evening, just a chance of showers. Long-range forecast for both Sunday and Monday, we'll start to see some breaks on Monday, family day up to six degrees. And so far, plenty of sunshine leading in towards Tuesday. Guys. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Yvonne.
Okay, uh, Stowaway Kitty is looking for a perfect match this Valentine's Day. You may remember us telling you about a cat that made a very long trek from China to Prince George, hidden inside a storage container. She survived without food or water for three and a half weeks. The feline, who now goes by the name Journey, which seems appropriate, mm -hmm. has fully recovered, undergone extensive testing and trust training, and is now ready for a forever home. Oh, wow. She's comfortable with people now. She doesn't run away when they walk in the room. She loves, she's very playful. She loves to play with wand toys. Um, she has become comfortable enough that she'll let people pet her for food rewards. She's not, she wouldn't seek that out if there wasn't something else in it for her. So she still has some, some ways to go there, but she's a different cat than she was a year ago. Journey. Journey is looking for a calm, adult-only home with a family that can work with her. If you're interested, go to the SPCA's website. I oh. perform better with food rewards, too. Yeah. But we all do. I Actually, you know what? I try to bring you a treat every day. That's right. <laughs> and you've been a lot better since that trust training you went through. Right? Thank you. Yeah, it's really helped. Really helped. Yeah. Uh, go, Squire. I don't think this is Valentine's Day attire, is it? I should no. Wore, I'm sorry. No, it's not at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. We still love you. Thank you. Michael Furlan's latest comeback from concussion issues lasted exactly one period. After playing for Utica tonight in the first period, he sat out the rest of the game with more concussion-related problems. This is certainly beginning to look like a lost season for a guy the Canucks really hoped would be the kind of player who could help them in the playoffs. But now you have to wonder about his career. Hopefully for him, it'll all eventually work out and he will get back to the Canucks. Speaking of the Canucks, backup Thatcher Demko is the latest to be given the title of goalie of the future. But Jacob Markstrom would like to push that future a little further down the road. As we know, Markstrom could be a free agent this summer if the Canucks don't come to a deal with him. But Markstrom would be very happy if he doesn't have to test the market at all, he wants to remain a Canuck. No, I love it here and I want to stay here. So, you know, for sure. But I don't, I don't think about it too much. I, I got to get this contract this year and then, uh, you know, we, we're going to figure out the rest. So I'm just happy to, to every time I, I put that jersey on, it's, uh, it's an honor. And I, I love being out here, Rogers Arena, in front of the home fans to play. Another reason Markstrom would love to re-sign with Vancouver he loves the camaraderie with his current Canucks roster. I love the guys in the room. I love playing with them on the ice, and I love battling. I love practicing with them, working out, and you know, hanging out with them on the road. They're, they're a great group of guys, and uh, you know, I think we're you know, stats-wise, we're we're the top one of the top team in block shots per game, and you know, it just shows they're you know they're, they're helping me out a lot and, and them out a lot, and that so you know they're doing a great job. You know, nothing says Valentine's Day quite like a story about hockey fights. But if it helps, you can think of it as tough love. Uh, there have been times this year that we would have liked to have seen the Canucks stick up for themselves a little bit more. Don't let other teams push them around. But in recent games, that has not been happening. The Canucks have been sticking up for themselves. Not that we're jonesing for some remake of Slapshot in the Canucks uniform, but sometimes in the NHL, you got to step up. Gaudet's lost his helmet, and he got a left jab in that seemed to stun Murphy. 
The Canucks have certainly been a scrappy team this year. Recently, they've been a scrapping team as well. In the last four games, the Canucks have engaged in six fights. They had just four fights total in their first 54 games. They've gone from a team that was third last in fighting majors to middle of the pack, 17th. It's just the time of the year. I mean, everybody's passionate. Everybody wants to win. Um, things are getting a little bit more heated. Um, and guys, I don't know what's going on with us. We're a little scrappy right now. But, I mean, it's great. It's great to see. It gives our bench energy. It gives the crowd energy. Um, and it's just kind of fueling us right now. So we got to keep that going. We love it. I think it's great, especially when they do well. But it doesn't matter. I think it doesn't matter if you win the fight. If you stand up and show that you showed up for the fight and you're there and, you know, you're engaged and the crowd's into it. Obviously, it's nice. It's fun at home or it's fun on the road. It doesn't matter. When the crowd's into it like that, both teams are into it. It makes for fun hockey. And, you know, bench definitely loves that. It's been obvious teams are targeting the Canucks' skill players. Elias Pettersson has taken a lot of abuse lately, much of it uncalled by referees. But the Canucks have shown they will stand up for each other. Well, we've seen Petey take shots before, and I've taken a couple in the past. Brock and Petey's starting to get picked on a little bit, so it's not that we're talking to the guys in the room or telling each other we need to fight, but uh, the temperature's rising, games are more important now, and uh, when you play a sport like this, I think those type of things are going to happen more often than not. So uh, it's pretty entertaining, though. The BCHL has gone the Kitimat as part of an effort to take their game to places it's never been and help introduce kids to a league which puts a lot of players in U.S. college hockey and the NHL. So we decided we should send Jay there as well. And the Canucks sent some of their old favorites, too. It has been a busy day one of the BC Hockey League Roadshow up here in Kitimat. Dave Babish, Yurke Lume, operating clinics all day long on both rinks. Dave, as a member of the Canucks alumni, you get to go all over our province. You're here in Kitimat. What a great day it's been. Oh, it is. It's, it's always good to come up with you know, smaller communities. Uh, these communities, are, everyone supports, everyone participates. And, um, you know, like I said, the, the, the first session here was with, uh, with, with, with kind of the senior women's team. And it was a blast. And now, now we got the kids out here. Hey, Dave, we've been all over the province. I grew up in Prince George. I haven't been up here in the north since I was 14 years old. There's something about small communities and the people that are in them. Yeah, you know what? I, I think they get it. They, um, you know, you know, they're away from you know the big metropolises and and you know lots going on there. But here, everyone's involved in the community in, in one way or another. And uh, you know, when you come out here, you know. Somebody's doing one thing. Somebody's doing another, and they and they just do it because it's not that they're expected to do it. They they just do it because it's it's what the community does. I know you've got uh, a busy day ahead of you tomorrow, Dave. Thanks for spending time with us today. The uh, Prince George Spruce Kings and Langer Riverman playing game one tomorrow, game two Sunday up here in Kitimat. Genesis Open, L.A., the Riviera Country Club. Tiger started this tournament with an eagle, but he's gone a bit backwards since then. Oop. Shot a 73 today. He's even par after uh, two rounds. Matt Kuchar is the leader at nine under. One of the reasons is this right here, 20-foot birdie. Uh, Rory McIlroy, two back. Adam Hadwin made the cut at even par. Nick Taylor did not make the cut, neither did Roger Sloan. And Felix Auger-Aliassime in the semifinals at a tennis tournament in Netherlands. There you go. Here's a look at your snow report for tonight. Whistler Blackholm with 7 new centimetres in the past 24 hours. Grouse 3 new centimetres, Cypress 11 and Sasquatch 16. 6 new centimetres for Manning Park, Revelstoke 8, Fernie 12 and Kicking Horse with a base of 208. 7 new centimetres for Big White, Silver Star 2, 15 for Sun Peaks and Apex 5. 
five new centimeters for Whitewater, Red Mountain, four and six new centimeters for Powder King. Coming up on ET Canada, previews of Outlander Season 5 and Working Mom Season 4, plus sneak peeks of Robert Pattinson as Batman and Billie Eilish singing the new James Bond theme. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right, thank you. All right, Squires here with Satellite Debris. Okay, so we'll do a little Olympic thing, but not right away. First, I want to introduce you to Little Sweet, who sings for Dr. Pepper. I really want a cupcake, but not the calories. Little Sweet sliding down the banister. Someone crying because they can't have a cupcake? I, I didn't cry. On the inside, you did. Little Sweet can hear that. He can. Don't worry. Little Sweet brought you some sweet zero-calorie treats called Diet Dr. Peppers. Oh, yeah! That is sweet. Little Sweet defying gravity. Is that Little Sweet? Diet Dr. Pepper. It's the sweet one. No getting through now. Little Sweet on a tiny horse. This here's private property. Call off the search party. Woo! Because I found him. Found who? Two thirsty cowboys who deserve the sweet reward of a diet Dr. Pepper. Mmm. That's mighty sweet. Told you. That's some fancy rope work. Use a hand like you on the ranch. Sorry, Buckaroo. Little Sweet's just passing through. What'd that fella say his name was? Little Sweet! Diet Dr. Pepper. It's the sweet one. Oh, I like that guy. Oh, my goodness. That, you know who that is? That's the Justin guy who lost to, uh, on the first season of um, American Idol. Really? Oh, really? Yes, yes, yes. Kelly Clarkson. That's it. She yeah. won. He was second. Right, right, right. Okay, so during the Olympics, during the Olympics, we had a little half-hour show called The O Show. We called it The O Show because you couldn't say Olympics. But now we can. <laughs> and we thought we'd throw a few things in from that show. This mainly is what you saw in the town those two weeks is all the people from around the world that if you were walking around downtown or Whistler, you got to meet people from mm-hmm. everywhere. And so wow. did we. And one of our favorites after the Slovakian Canada hockey game, our favorite uh-huh. guy. But we'll, we'll show you that in a second. Here we go. We call it a toque. What would you call it? 2014. Excuse me? 2014. Okay, great. <laughs> hey, are you guys uh, from Slovakia? Yes, I, of course. Okay, well, well uh, how proud of your team are you after the way they play? Uh, slowly, please. I am beginner. Oh, are you proud of your uh, team, your Slovakia? They played, played a good game, didn't they? Yes, yes. Slovensko! Slovensko! Hey, 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 Slovensko! Slovensko! Some visitors from out of town are going to help us say goodbye to Vancouver in various languages. Merci, bonne nuit, Vancouver. Dankjewel. Good night. Goeie avond. Vielen Dank. Goede nacht. Klaan Lattag is Bannock Day, Vancouver. Merci, bonsoir, Vancouver. Dankjewel. En wel trust in Vancouver. Spasibo, Vancouver. En dobre noce. And to end our programming day, a rather out of tune, but heartfelt version of our national anthem. True patriot love. 
With glowing hearts we see rise the true north strong and free. Now in French. We stand on guard for thee. Keep our land glorious and free. Know the next part. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for thee. Some of those folks are from other countries. We gave them the lyrics and they played along beautifully. They, they knew the tune and everything. They, they did. did really well. Yeah, they did all right. You guys did a brilliant job creating an opening for that show without saying Olympics, no, using the logo, nothing, but you knew exactly Olympics, what Olympics, it was. Olympics, 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 yeah. Olympics. Yeah, now you can do it. They're nowhere to be found now, but those Olympic guys didn't like us to say Olympics. Who are they again? The Olympic guys? The Olympic guys. Have a great family day, long weekend, everybody. <laughs> Have a good one. Bye-bye.